Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 976 of the Juicebox Podcast. I am back with another Type 2 story. Today is with Nancy. Nancy had gestational diabetes with, I think, her second pregnancy. She's a Type 2 now, has been for quite some time. And um, this story is, I, I think it's lovely. I think it's a, an honest portrayal of what it might be like to live with type 2 diabetes. And it offers some real insight into things that maybe could have been done differently for Nancy, but things you could definitely implement now. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan becoming bold with insulin. Save 40% by using the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout at CozyEarth.com. I am wearing my Cozy Earth joggers right now, and I put brand new Cozy Earth sheets on my bed yesterday, and I got in them, and I thought, ha ha, this is how it's supposed to be. Save 40% off your entire purchase at CozyEarth.com when you use the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by the blood glucose meter that my daughter uses, and one that I think you should check out, whether you have prediabetes, type 2 diabetes, or type 1 diabetes, because it is so incredibly awesome and accurate. The Contour Next Gen Blood Glucose Meter. Learn more. Get started today. Buy right now online. Uh, find out about the second chance test strips. The whole thing. All that stuff, you can learn at my link contournext.com forward slash juicebox. Today's show is also sponsored by Touched by Type 1. Now, right now today is August 8th, so that means in just a little over a month, touchedbytype1.org, programs tab, annual conference, in just over a month, I will be speaking at the Touched by Type 1 annual conference. It's a free conference for individuals of all ages and backgrounds. The goal of this conference is to educate, encourage, and empower all lives touched with type 1 diabetes, whether you have type 1 or just a connection to someone who does. The annual conference provides a unique opportunity to be surrounded by the nation's top experts related to thriving despite diabetes. And I feel weird saying that because I'm going to be one of those people. Come see me speak on September 16th at the Rosen Shingle Creek, Orlando, Florida location. Come on, touchedbytype1.org. It's free. And Jenny's going to be there. Go register now. What are you doing? Let's pack that place. My name is Nancy with an I, not a Y. Almost 58. I'll be 58 at the end of the month. And I am a type 2 diabetic along with a myriad of other things. Oh, that's... That's going to make a great conversation. Thank you for having <laughs> health issues and coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. You're uh, welcome. So you're 57, almost 58. Mm -hmm. When did you learn that you had type 2? So I had gestational diabetes with my second pregnancy. And um, after I had my second daughter, <laughs> it was kind of, it was strange because I didn't know what gestational diabetes was. Like, I felt like no one ever explained it to me. No one around me had ever had it. I never had read about it. I mean, I just didn't know what it was. And 
mostly I felt like when I would go for my checkups, they would, well, kind of berate me about how much weight I was gaining and that my blood sugar levels weren't good. And I, I really still like think back to then and am just so surprised at how little I knew and how little I was told about it. Nancy, let me ask you a question before you go any farther. Um, is there any chance that in your spare time you torture puppies? No, so. it's <laughs> what is that noise? <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's, Don't be sorry. It's, it's my dog, um, oh. slash my daughter's dog. Mm-hmm. Um Uh-oh. and she she's a poodle and she's extremely needy. And oh, and she's outside she, of the room. Yeah. She's what would she's happen the, if you let her in? I'm I'm a letter in. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully she'll behave. Let's see what happens. Because she really doesn't R- like being right, out there. Right I'm now, so sorry. No, right now it just sounds like you're breaking a law of humanity while you're talking. Yeah, she's <laughs> she's she's pretty good at that, to be honest. She, she her name her name is Luna. She's a little white p- uh, poodle, and um, she is 11 years old and probably the most needy dog on the planet. Well, let her in. Let's see what let's see what happens to Luna when she comes in. Mm-hmm. By the way, okay. around here the moon was amazing last night. Something called a strawberry moon. I don't know if it's yes, yes. And and yesterday we were talking about how she was even more needy. And um someone said, Oh, you know, there's a full moon and dogs get a little bit more. And I had never heard that before. Really? So mm. there All you right. go. Is, yeah. she, is she in? She's in. Let me tell you a story. My mom and dad owned a poodle that they loved very much. And then they adopted me and the poodle went after me and my mom got rid of the poodle. Oh, my goodness. I want to thank my mom for sticking up for me right now. Well, I mean, not. I'm not going to say that my daughter doesn't love her dog, but my daughter just had her second baby. And um, so that's why I have the dog. Um Luna lived with me years ago when my daughter still lived here, wasn't married. Um, and she was like both our dog. And then my daughter moved out and she took the dog. And truthfully, I miss the dog more than her. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> and so I had visitation with the dog. So I would take the dog every few weekends and, um, after her first daughter was born, we were kind of concerned because Luna can have a little bit of an attitude. So um, they did okay together. But after the second baby, my daughter was a little overwhelmed. So yeah. I have had the dog for almost three months now. And we don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> How much do you get paid to watch the dog? <laughs> I get love and adoration. Oh, I just took my dog. I did. We use this terrific, like, kind of private kennel near my house, so it's lovely for the dogs. They, I think they like it there better than they like it at our house. And um, I know what I just <laughs> paid her to watch my dogs for 10 days, so I think you are being underpaid. Love is not enough. <laughs> oh, my God. Nancy, well, are you paying for the food, too? No, that's a, this okay. is so funny, Scott, that you asked that. So Luna, being a poodle, you know, she's had some stomach issues throughout her life. So like I said, she's almost 11. So my daughter, you know, buys her this bougie food from the farmer's dog. Am I allowed to say that? I'm sorry. Sure. I don't know. Um, and it is 
expensive, like almost $300 a month for dog food. And what so heck? I was yeah. I didn't so know I you like, guys were royalty. Am I talking to royalty? I don't know you would oh think. Oh my gosh, that's lovely. Do I curtsy to you? Are you a queen? Three hundred dollars right? a month to feed your dog. Hold on a second. Yeah. Three hundred <laughs> times twelve. I can do this in my head. Six and then three. Is it three thousand six hundred dollars a year to feed that poodle? Yes. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. Uh, you might think he's not laughing at me, but I am. <laughs> oh, my God. And I mean, so that was like one of the things I was like, you know, we can take Luna, but her bougie lifestyle is above <laughs> my pay grade. So you're going to have to continue to pay for the dog food. So she still pays for the dog food. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. We're going to get to your type 2 diabetes in just a second. Okay. But um, I remember gestational, the whole thing. I got it in my head. Don't you worry. Um, we had to take uh, a trip to see our kids, right? And mm -hmm. I have two dogs. Indy is old. Like, I'm not kidding you. He's 15. Like, Indy's the kind of old that, like, when you wake up in the morning, you stare at him to see if he's breathing. And when he's breathing, you go, huh, no kidding. Like it's that he's that he's that old. Right. And then Basil's like seven or eight, which I guess is getting old, but he's pretty much like luggage. You could just pick him up, put him down somewhere else. He exists again. I think his brain's the size of a walnut. Like he's fantastic, you know? So, um, our kennel says, look, Indy's too old. He can't come here anymore. We have to find another kennel. All right. I understand. We only use this place like once a year. So it's not like we're great business for them or anything like that. Um, just, you know, too much to watch Indy at his age. And so I find another kennel that's like, don't worry about him being an older dog. We have no trouble with that. I'm like, oh, it's terrific. Thanks. We drop him off. Now, here's the play. I'm going to drive to Atlanta with my son. And the uh -huh. next day, Arden's going to drive to Savannah. Or I'm, what am I supposed to say? She Where does she go to school? Chicago. I think that's what I'm supposed to say. And 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 okay. Kelly and Kelly's going to drive to where Arden goes to school. So I leave a day before. I am halfway to Atlanta when my phone rings and the kennel says, "Hey, you got to come pick your dogs up." <gasps> and I was like, "What now?" Oof. And she goes, "Um, and all I could think is, oh god, Indy like <laughs> scared them. Like he he Aww. he went into one of his like staring at the wall phases and they were like, "Uh-oh." Oh and I'm like, "What's wrong?" And she goes, Basil won't stop knocking his water over. And I went, oh, that's easy. Just don't give him water. <laughs> I was like, you know, because I'm in self-preservation mode at this point. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, this isn't happening, you know? So, no, she goes, no, listen, you know, we tried doing this. We tried giving him a bucket. We tried tying the bucket to the cage. He flips it over immediately. We can't leave him here without water. And I was like, sure, you can. He'll be fine. <laughs> and I was like, I mean, not forever. But, like, give him water with his food. He'll drink it. And then he won't have it the rest of the time until he eats again. Right. Um, no, 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 I can't do that. I'm like, I mean, that's what we do at our house. But okay. I'm like, like, there's not always water in a bowl. Like, there is, but not always. I'm like, it really, and she, I can't talk her into it. So now I'm calling my wife. I'm like, I, I don't know what to do. And so I, I call the woman back again. I try to talk her out of it. And in the midst of trying to talk her out of it, I say to her, listen, I can't do, I can't. I was like, here's what you're going to need to do. Let him outside. If Jesus wants him to find us. <laughs> when 
he comes back, uh, you know, if he comes back, uh, when I get back from my trip, whatever, I'll go to the woods where you let him out and I'll call his name a couple times. I'm like, if he comes back, then God bless. And if not, I'm like, I have no other options here. I can't, I can't, I'm not, I can't, you know, I'm like, deal with this. And she's like, no. Oh my gosh. Out of nowhere, Arden goes, you know, we just bought that new water dish. Like, like. I want to be clear. Basil's never flipped his water bowl over here at my house ever once. Never. But wow. we had just recently gotten this water dish that didn't allow for sloshing because Indy's messy when he drinks. Mm-hmm. And it had little rubber feet on it. And an oh. Arden and Kelly ran that over to the kennel, put it in there. Basil looked at it. He was like, oh, this is cool. And he left it alone. And that was it. But I was willing... <laughs> I mean, you were. I was like, you just were committed. Let him outside and we'll find him or we won't when we get back. I'm like, I don't, and I didn't really mean that, but I was out of options. You right. know what I mean? Um, anyway, dogs are a pain. That, People shouldn't buy them. They're lovely. I, but, they are. Yeah. They're, they're the greatest companions and they're, yes. they are like so sweet and fun, but they're a lot. There are, there are a lot. No, I would have abandoned a child if somebody told me I had to drive back from Atlanta. Right? I was like, I he would have been like, sorry, yeah, drop yeah. her off at the bus station. Yeah, 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 we'll yeah. see you whenever. Oh, my God. So now, you know, this last time we left them, Indy's so old that, that the the person says to me, I have to ask you, like, if he passes while he's here, what do you want us to do? Oh. And I was like, we'll call the vet and, you know, I'll work it out with them what we oh. would, what we would do and everything. And she goes, would you want us to call and tell you? And I didn't hesitate. I was like, yes, of course. And I said, is that a question? She goes, a lot of people ask not to be bothered on their vacations if their dogs die. And I'm no like, well, way. those people are monsters then. <laughs> like, like, yeah. And if you're listening and you've done that, you're a piece of shit. And so um, <laughs> it's a very easy thing to like, <laughs> to come down on the side of. I was like, no, please, if anything's wrong with my pets, please call me immediately. I might tell you right? to let them outside. <laughs> But, but <laughs> I, I want to know. I do want to know yeah. if they pass. Yeah. Unreal. Wow. Like, so she told me a lot of people say that. Like, if he dies, don't tell me. We'll find out when oh. we get back. I'm like, oh, that's, I don't know where to fall on that one. But I, anyway. That's extreme. Yeah. Speaking of extreme, tell your daughter, I said, <laughs> she's out of her mind. Okay. I know. No, I, <laughs> you're not the first, Scott. Believe me. <laughs> oh, they're, Tens of thousands of people listening right now going, that girl's crazy. <laughs> so right. anyway, um, very nice that you would do that for the dog. Uh, you get gestational diabetes with your second kid uh, during right. the pregnancy, which was a long time ago. Because how old are your children? Um, so the one that I had gestational with is 31. Wow. So that was 30, yeah. 31 years ago. Um, gestational was- diabetes. I was confused about something. People are going to be like, mm-hmm. I don't know how Scott did this after this long tangent about dogs. But I remember <laughs> you saying they were giving you trouble about your weight. Was this during your pregnancy? People were. Doing- yes. Okay. Yes. And I had I had already had severe insecurities um, about my weight. I had that pretty much through my whole life. Look, I know I went on and on about dogs there for a while, so I'm going to make this ad quick for you. But I had to leave that part in because it pays off later. You'll see. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. The Contour Next Gen blood glucose meter is available at my link. It is incredibly accurate. It is easy to use, easy to hold. It has a bright light for nighttime viewing. 
and the screen is simple to understand. Contournext.com forward slash juicebox. Why am I going to the link while I'm talking to you? Because I want to walk you through it. There's an orange buy now button on the front page. When you click on that, you go right to like eight different opportunities to buy the contour meters and test strips right now online. CVS Pharmacy, Walgreens, Amazon, Walmart, Rite Aid, Target, Kroger, Meyer. It's all right there. Plus, there's a ton of information on this page. For instance, did you know that you may pay less in cash for these quality, accurate meters and test strips than you're paying right now for an inferior product through your insurance? Just because your doctor gave it to you doesn't mean it's a great meter. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. Check out the meters and those second chance test strips. They really are fantastic. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. And I did gain a lot of weight. I mean, I am only five, two, um, maybe five, three on a good day. And, um, I was upwards of over, over 200 pounds when I gave birth to my first daughter. And then again, upwards of over 200 pounds when I gave birth to my second daughter, but I had gained a lot of weight rapidly at the beginning of my second pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And the nurses, when I got on the scale, would just give me like this shocked look that they couldn't believe that I gained that much weight. Hmm. And one nurse even said, are you having twins? And I was like, no, not that I know of. Um, just big. Uh, and yeah. one of the one of the funniest stories, it's funny now, it wasn't funny then, but one of the funniest stories that I ever tell people when I was pregnant with my second daughter, she was born um, right before Christmas. And so I was at a mall with my mom trying to get all of the Christmas shopping done before she came because I knew she was going to come and then I wouldn't be able to go mm-hmm. and do all the Christmas shopping. And I mean, I was huge and I was standing outside of the store waiting for my mom and a complete stranger walked up to me and looked at me and she said, you are the biggest pregnant woman I have ever seen. Oh, Merry Christmas. I know. And I, oh my goodness, I immediately started just bawling. And my mom came out and she thought I was in labor and she was like, what is happening? And I couldn't even talk. I was so upset that this woman would say that to me, but yeah. um, Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Hey, Santa. Wait, what? (laughs) No, no, no. So when you said you were over 200 when you gave birth, what were you when you started like on the day you got pregnant? So with my first daughter, I mean, I was, I was probably only about 125 pounds. So I probably, yeah, I probably gained a good 75, 80, 85 pounds with my first pregnancy. And then, um, was it with my second, was it mentioned to you during your first one? Doctors say, Hey, we're putting on a lot of weight here or I'm uncomfortable with, was there ever any conversation about that? No, no. Did you feel that way? I mean, I did. I, I did because I was very, aware of how big I was getting. Um, and I felt huge and I, I knew that I had gained more than what normal 
I guess, regular pregnant women Mm -hmm. to me um, seem like what they gain. But yeah, in my first pregnancy, I, I never remember them, meaning my OBGYN or the nurses or anybody saying anything. I don't know if it was because I was so young. I was only 23. Um, when I had my first daughter. So I don't know if maybe it was because I was so young and maybe not that I was that much older. I was 25 when I had my second daughter. So, um, but I didn't lose all of the baby weight from my first daughter when I got pregnant with my second daughter. So I probably was about 150 pounds when I got pregnant with my second daughter. And again, was probably, you know, 210 to 11 when I gave birth to her. Did they look at your blood sugar during the first pregnancy? I, I believe that I did have the, um, you know, like three hour glucose test during my first pregnancy, okay. but I complete, I can't like totally remember, you know, okay. cause yeah, yeah. it was a long time ago and, um, I was young and, and I, I don't really remember. I definitely remember with my second daughter having it and not passing, I guess, you know, and my, again, I had the same OBGYN. So I'm not really sure like why it seemed like a different experience, but, um, yeah, he would just kind of like, you know, ask me what I was eating. And then when I would say what I was eating, he'd say, you know, are you crazy? You can't eat that. You're going to, you're going to kill yourself and your baby. And I was like, what? Like, I, I just remember like not understanding really what they were saying. Um, Did you, Nancy, feel like you were eating more food than was reasonable? I, I don't think, I don't think I was, to be honest. I think I, I probably overindulged in some stuff. Okay. Um, but I do think I had like, I ate the wrong things. You know, I, I ate pasta and bread and, um, heavy carb food, which I know now, but back then, to be honest, I really didn't know. Like I, I remember, you know, when I was younger, I always just thought sugar made you fat. Or sugar made you have bad things happen to you. But um, I'm half Italian. And so, you know, we eat pasta and bread and, can I, thing, you know. Yeah, can I ask also, I mean, this is 31 years ago. So, you know, a while back. Was, mm-hmm. th- was there any like that, like, oh, I'm pregnant. I can eat whatever I want now. Did that used to be yeah. a thing? It was, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You're eating for two. And I mean, most of my family members felt that way and thought that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's go ahead, kind of the just, message. Yeah. Like, go go ahead. It. You can have it. Yeah. Um, wow. So when you are diagnosed with gestational in your second pregnancy, mm-hmm. how do they manage it? So the only way that they managed it was by having me diet. Um, They just said I had to eat a better diet and that I couldn't have bread and pasta and to eat a lot of salad, vegetables, um, and that was it. Did that work? Did that move your blood sugar down? I mean, I know that when I would go to my doctor's appointment and they would test my blood sugar, 
they would say, oh, it's a little high. But again, like I, I kind of remember like one time, I think it was like 155. But, and, and I was like, is that good? Is that bad? And really, it was so strange to me. Think Now knowing what I know, mm-hmm. it was so strange to me back then that um, they, they didn't educate me at all. Like it was, you would think I was living in like the 1930s in some backwood town somewhere that, you know, they were just like, Oh, you're fine. <laughs> I, I just remember her eye fell not out, knowing. stuff it back in. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like I just remember not, not knowing anything and Them no one explaining anything to me. Okay. So they didn't <laughs> give you, they didn't give you insulin. Nope. Okay. Mm-mm. So was the baby born like big? She was huge. <laughs> okay. She um well she was 10 pounds when she was born. Mm-hmm. They And again back it's so funny cuz my you know my daughter who just had two children, she's had I don't know seven or eight ultrasounds I feel like with each baby and when I had my children they would not do an ultrasound on you unless they really thought there was something wrong. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't a normal thing that you had done. So I remember um about two two or three weeks before I was due, um, my sister-in-law had actually just had a baby and I was at the hospital visiting her. We had the same doctor, and um I had been sent for an ultrasound and I was sitting in my sister-in-law's room. I had had the ultrasound, went over there. And my doctor came in, which was her doctor as well, completely ignored her and looked at me and said, do you know how big your baby is? You need to go over to the office right now so they can schedule you for a C-section. And I was like, oh my goodness. So yeah, I went over to the office and they scheduled me and brought me in for the C-section. And um, when they did the ultrasound, they said that they were reading that the baby was about 11 and a half pounds. Um, but she ended up being 10 because I just had so much fluid wow. that, um, yeah, she was 10 pounds. She was very big. So then after you have your your daughter, your second child, mm-hmm. how long until, like, do you have type 2 diabetes right away? Or how do you find out about it? So after I had her, they, you know, had done all like the blood tests and things that they do in the hospital. And, um, my doctor had come in and he was like, "Eh, it doesn't look like your blood sugar levels have, you know, dropped back down to normal. So I, you know, want you to see your, um, just regular family doctor for this. And, um, I remember a couple of months after I had my daughter, I went for a checkup and they, um, you know, had test, I had had like a fasting glucose done and, um, my fasting was like 160. So my doctor was like, Oh yeah, you have type two diabetes. Um, and again, they just said, this is what we want. We want you to be on this diet and we want you to get more exercise and you have to lose weight. You absolutely have to lose weight. Um, and so that's what I did. I, I went balls to the wall. I ate nothing but salad and I walked miles and I lost the weight. And when I lost the weight and I went and had all my blood tests done again, my blood sugars were pretty good. So basically that was my 
it, that's it. You, you, that have to, was, yeah. you just have to eat lettuce for the rest of your life and walk right. nonstop and yeah. everything will be fine. Okay. And and that's how I thought, Scott. Like mm-hmm. that is what I believe to be the rest of my life. And that just started the roller coaster of me dieting, trying every diet under the sun. You name it, I've done it. Um, gaining that- weight. Is that, can I ask you, is that because you wanted to eat more normally, but you were just Mm -hmm. searching for something that wouldn't impact your blood sugar? Yes. Okay. All right. And I, I tried, I tried everything. I, and I would go six months and I would lose weight and I would have good test results. And then after the six months, I would be like, Oh my God, I need a cheeseburger. Mm-hmm. And, and so I would start eating what, you know, quotations normal. I would, I would think I, I have to eat normal and then I would gain weight again. And then I would go on Jenny Craig and I would lose weight and then I would gain weight and go on Weight Watchers. And I mean, it just went on like that for years. How long do you think? Um, all the way to when I was, so in 2012, I had a spinal fusion where I had to have my C4 through my C7 and my neck fused. Um, really, probably just due to an active lifestyle from when I was young. Um, because I didn't really like suffer any kind of trauma that would have caused me to have the injury in my neck that I had. So growing up, little backstory, growing up, I was extremely active. I rode horses competitively. I skied. I rode motorcycles. I was a cheerleader. I ran track. So I was always fit. I was always moving, um, doing stuff. And, um, in 2012, I had to have this surgery. Mm. And after the surgery, the doctors were like, and I had been running prior to that. The doctors were like, no more running. You have to do low impact. You can swim, you know. And I think I just was like, I, at that point, I just was like, I give up. <laughs> like, <laughs> I am so, I'm just, you know, I'm this, done with all this, of it. This and running was really helping you with your type two. Yeah. yeah. And in, in, in between that, right. So I was doing like, I, I went on the diet where like you, you don't eat anything white. So you don't have any sugar or rice or white potato or pasta. And I was like, you know, champion through that. And then um, again, went back to like, oh, I really want to eat bread. And I want to eat this. And then I found keto at some point and I was like the poster child for keto. I mean, I was trying to sell it to everybody I knew because I lost weight on keto. Mm-hmm. So I was like, this is the greatest thing. You can eat bacon and cheese and still lose weight. It's so great. <laughs> Until that one day where you yeah. look at a slice of bacon and think, I can't, I can't, I can't do that again. Right. There, could, there could be no more grease that comes from meat in my <laughs> face. It's unpleasant. Um, right. And so... Wow. And and through all of this, are you uh, like are you managing with a meter? Do you have insulin? No. Like what are you doing with your diabetes? So 
so the only so then what so what happened then was I gained a whole bunch more weight again, right? And uh, it so years go by with me doing all of this, right? And then when I turned fifty, um, and I went to my yearly checkup, and I mean my my fasting glucose was horrible, um, and that's when I got put on the metformin. <laughs> <laughs> and um to me i thought well everyone that takes metformin i don't want to say gets better but it improves their numbers and i hadn't been tracking my numbers i had i had a meter that did your ketones because i had been doing keto mm-hmm. And the meter also came with that you could test your blood sugar. So I remember I was like, oh, maybe I should try this. Let me let me test my blood sugar. And I tested it and it was like 211. And I was like, I don't think that's good. And I, so that's when I started, when I was about 50, and I started looking up and reading and trying to understand and educate myself about what was going on. Um, also, there's a long, long history of diabetes, type 2 diabetes in my family. Um, my mom passed away from complications of it. My grandparents both had it, all of my mom's brothers and sisters. Um, and I still, even with them having it back before I was about 50, I never educated myself about it. I never took the time to sit down read about it, learn about it. And I beat myself up now for not doing that because I know how important it was and that I should have been yeah. more aware of what was happening. So let me, let me ask you a couple of questions around that. So your, your mother dies from complications of type two diabetes. Yeah. You, you have type two diabetes and you're in the middle yeah. of this never ending like flurry of jumping from diet to diet. And then I guess I'm assuming at some point, just restricting your diet so much that it's value, you know, you're, you're not taking in anything that can impact you at all. And then saying, Mm -hmm. Oh, I can't do this anymore. And then going back to it. So you're flip flopping back at any point during that. Are you thinking I'm going to die like my mom did? Um, yes, but only probably a little bit more recent. Um, but, uh, I, recent, but I say through, recent. Yeah, because how long has this been in, in context? Like you've had type two for how long? So officially put on medication when I turned 50. Okay, but that's um, that's eight years but, ago. Right, but, but, you know, between my gestational and turning 50 and all those years and looking at what what my blood sugars were, each time I would go for my checkup, they were always elevated, mm-hmm. not, not, not in like the four hundreds, but always like a fasting, um, glucose of 160, 170, sometimes 210, you know, which is clearly not healthy. Um, but yeah, put on medication at 50. Put on medication at 50 and so it's interesting because 160, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think it's interesting to hear that you saw that blood sugar and you were like, okay, well, I guess that's what this is. Or I, it's what happens when I eat 
X, Y, Z instead of this, Mm -hmm. but no, like not, not to feel like a pull to be like, oh, I have to immediately stop this. Like, like I, I, you know what I mean? Like coming from a, like a type one brain, if your my daughter's blood sugar was always 160, I'd think, Mm -hmm. oh my God, like I have to do something right now today. Like cancel our plans. I'm figuring this out, but it doesn't strike that way. And I've, right. I've talked to other type twos as well who will make these kind of like obvious statements from their life that are just like to anybody listening. You're like, that's a red flag, but they don't see it that way. Mm-hmm. And I never I, I mean, I'm always trying to figure out why that is. Yeah, I I find it so bizarre now um, because I know so much more. Um, but. It's it's strange because I remember distinctly um, after my mom passed away because my mom was sicker than anyone knew she was because she didn't really she didn't want people to know mm-hmm. how sick she was and um, so it was kind of a I mean we knew that she had diabetes and high cholesterol and high blood pressure and. Um, we didn't know she had emphysema and we weren't aware of that. Um, she did smoke, so we probably should have been aware, but my mom died pretty suddenly. She, um, actually came to visit me where I live. Um, and she would stay with me for like three months out of the year. And she was here visiting me, um, and had some back pain, thought it was maybe, kidney infection or something Mm -hmm. and um i took her to the hospital and three days later she passed oh my gosh yeah oh i'm so sorry oh thanks What, what was what was the cause so she went septic because she had a kidney infection Mm -hmm. and her kid her kidneys were only functioning at I, I think they said at that time, maybe at like 20 or 30%. And it was, you know, from the diabetes. Yeah, yeah. And the rest of her, you know, organs in her body had just worn out. And um, the infection got into her blood and she went septic and there was just nothing that she that they could do. Yeah. So she had had type 2 for how long? <laughs> So she had had probably type two since she was about, I would say, probably 50, 55. Okay. And how old was she when she passed? Um, 77. Okay. So in 27 years of diagnosed type two, what mm-hmm. was what was her management like? So she I, was I on... Said, I'm sorry. I know you said she kept it private, but as much as you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, she was on medication. She took... Um, I I can only assume, and I know it's crazy that I don't know exactly, but I can only assume that it was something like metformin um, that she was taking. And she just, I I guess, just didn't want everyone to know. Um, And because we, I lived so far away from her, she lived 1,500 miles away from me and, um, you know, when I would ask her, oh, how was your doctor's appointment? She would say, oh, it went well. I did good. Um, so we, I just didn't know how bad it was. And 
I knew she took pills because she had prescriptions with her when she would visit me and she would take them. But from an outward appearance, you know, she she didn't seem frail to the point that she looked sickly. She she just looked like my mom. I wanted to share this with you. Um, My mom had uh, some sort of an episode last week where she was having trouble walking. And um, (laughs) and I called her about two days. I mean, I was talking to her pretty consistently, but about two days into this, it is a situation where my mom finds it difficult for her to get like from her chair to her bathroom and back again. Mm -hmm. I call her up and we're talking and everything. I said, Mom, how are you feeling? She goes, fine. I was like, oh, great. Mm -hmm. You know, and then we're chatting a little more. Then it occurred to me to talk to her like she was 10. (laughs) (laughs) Mom, are you still having trouble walking? Yes. But you feel fine? (laughs) Yes. I said, Mom, I think we can characterize not being able to walk to the bathroom as not feeling fine, don't you? Yes. And she goes, yeah, probably. And I was like, okay. No, fine. I'm fine. Everything's great. Fine. Great. It's wonderful. Mom, any changes? Nope. Always like that. Never, ever, I, ever says the truth. I I know, and I, you know, I do find that I I do it too. You know, mm-hmm. like I think I don't want to. I don't want to trouble my daughters with you know what I consider to be like a small issue or something. So they same thing. They'll ask me, and I'll just be like, nope, fine, I'm doing good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just it's interesting. I don't think yeah. it's not common, um, but I mean. I don't know. It's crazy because, because look at what happened to your mother, really. Like, you know, that, right. that idea of not understanding type 2 diabetes, either meaningfully with how to control it with medication or how to control it as best you can with diet, then seeing if you need to supplement with medication, like that whole thing, just not understanding it and not understanding what it does, like just takes her out, like bang. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. And, and even there's language you used around it that makes it clear to me that people are just comfortable with this. Like you said, mm-hmm. like oh, her organs just wore out as if that's the thing that happens. <laughs> like, right. like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, your organs just wear out eventually, but, but when your blood right. sugar is high all the time, they wear out a lot quicker. And yeah. Y- yeah. And it's, um, and it's just, I don't know. It's kind of fascinating to me. So I'm sorry. Good. You have something to say. Obviously. No. And again, I do like distinctly remember thinking to myself after my mom passed away that I would, I wouldn't be like that, that I would never let myself get to that point of leaving my children so quickly and not, not having a control or a handle on my health. Um, and, and yet, it still happened to me. Yeah, tell me then. So through those eight years, did you right? Ha- did so you, did you have that feeling I, like I'm going to figure it out? Yeah, I mean, I I kept trying. You know, I kept saying I can do this. You know, I can get a handle on my health. I can do this. And like I said, I would try different diets and. Um, you know, my daughter got married, so I wanted to look good, and I went on again, keto and I walked and, you know, lost some weight. And right after the wedding, it was, oh, I could have this or I can just have that. And uh, it's fine. Mm. I'm going to, I'm just going to have this. Yeah. And and it it fades away a little bit. 
Right. And, and then and the then, ebbs and flows last much longer than you think they're going to. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just remember I didn't, you know, I just didn't feel good. You know, I I had gotten to the point where like prior, I think I'd never not really felt okay. I mean, I always felt like I felt okay. And probably, you know, right, I guess, you know, COVID just like time is like so weird with COVID. You can't remember if it was like, was it before COVID or during COVID? But I think it was somewhere before COVID that I really just started to not feel well. And you know, tired and sluggish and just not, not feeling well at all. And was so frustrated with myself that I, I couldn't lose weight. And, um, I, so I came to the conclusion and it, it wasn't an easy one, but I said, I'm going to have weight loss surgery. This is what I'm going to do to finally get a handle on all of this because, I just can't. I just can't get a handle on it and I need to. And um, so I started like the whole procedure of getting a gastric bypass, which is a long procedure. Like I think people think it, it, you know, you decide to do it, you go to the doctor and two months later you're having a gastric bypass, but it doesn't work that way. It It's a lot of doctor's visits, different um cardiologists, dietitians, um, regular doctor, your surgeon. And during all of that, um, I had found out because I had to have an endoscopy done, um, that I had gastroparesis and I didn't know what that was. I did know that when I would eat, I would feel so uncomfortable and I had really bad GERD. Um, I had really bad constipation. And so found that out and then had some more tests done and found out that I had fatty liver disease and I was in stage two kidney disease. Oh my God. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, it just blew my world like wide open. I thought this is exactly what happened to my mom and I'm, I'm doing it to myself. Like I'm, I'm my mom. How long, and, how long ago did you discover this? So, um, it was probably close to about two years ago, um, okay. that I was going through. Um, and what had happened was I, so I was at that point, at this point, I was on metformin, ribelsis, which is an oral semaglutide, and um, one other diabetes medication that evades me at this moment. So I was taking three different medications for my diabetes. And I went to go have one of my endoscopies done, and my blood sugar was 288 fasting on three different medications. Wow. And I was just beside myself because I was like, I, I, what do I do? I just don't know what to do. And, um, so I, at that time, my regular doctor was just managing my diabetes. So I, I had made an appointment to see an endocrinologist, went to go see him. And he right away said, 
you need to be on insulin. You're a you're the t- kind of type two diabetic that you're not responding to this. You need insulin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at that time, and, and this was obviously prior to me having a gastric bypass, but, um, he put me on Traceba, Monjaro and Glyperide. So again, I was on three medications, but three different medications from what I had previously been yeah, on. He's going for it too. How, how, right. Did, did the Monjaro help you? Yes. It did. Yeah. I, 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 I would say it was, you know, probably a couple of weeks. Um, but my blood sugar levels were so much better, so much better. And, um, I definitely felt better. There's no question that I wasn't feeling as sluggish. I wasn't feeling, that just being exhausted, failing all the time. It was was it was um, lowering your blood sugar. Yeah. Yeah. Were you definitely, losing weight? Yeah. You losing weight as well? Yeah, I definitely lost some weight. I I won't say like I was on the very lowest dose, so I was you know started out at two point five, and then after a month moved up to the five, and then stayed on the five until I had my gastric bypass. Okay. Um, so I was on Manjaro for about four months. How much weight do you think you lost in four months? So I probably lost, I'm going to say about 16 pounds. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty, yeah. it's pretty impressive, honestly. Yeah. Did, did, mm-hmm. it, did it, um, it, it changed, I imagine, how much you were able to eat? Oh yeah, definitely. Like, did it, it did it change your like I don't I don't know how to ask this question. Um I I guess for clarity, I'm using Wegovi for weight loss. Mm-hmm. So um Ozempic is a drug just like Manjaro. Manjaro I think is a GLP-1 and maybe a GLP-2, right? So there's more kind of um they, Right. They GLP-1 say, and a GIP. GIP, thank you. And, yeah. yeah, for for satiate satiation right like and, mm-hmm. um and weight loss so uh ozempic during the testing for ozempic they were like hey people lose weight on this whether they have diabetes or not and they did a mm-hmm. separate study relaunched it as we it's the same exact literally the same exact molecule and, right and i you know my my body mass made it made me eligible for we and so now i've been taking it for I think I have two more injections left. So it's a ramp up 0.25, then 0.5, then Mm -hmm. 0.1. I I think I have two more ones. So I guess that makes me 10 weeks on this maybe. Mm -hmm. And I've lost 20 pounds. Wow. And that's amazing. It's fascinating Um, because I mean, I've, I've maybe changed up how I eat a little bit, but not really. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's not mm-hmm. like I, it's not like I was eating like pizza and French fries with both hands, and now I'm having like a salad. <laughs> like, it wasn't like that. I didn't overeat to begin with. I just was a person whose like body like I just held on to weight, you know. And yeah, um, I didn't matter what I did. You know, I could diet like my face off and lose you know ten pounds maybe, but then the minute the minute I had anything near even like a reasonable calorie count. I would just start to put the weight back on again. And yeah. that is not happening now. Like, not only do I not have, I mean, any appetite to speak of, like you have to literally remind yourself to eat. Um, yeah. But I'm I'm losing weight 
like at a very consistent pace. And um, to say that I've, I mean, my blood sugars were not high, but I feel terrific and, you know, much better than I did before. Um, we even went, yeah. you know, we were gone like to bring Arden home from college and we like wrapped up seeing our son in there too. So we were out of the house for like eight days. I ate in a restaurant for eight days in a row and was on two long car trips, which is should be an indication to you that I was not, you know, drinking tea with my pinky out and like <laughs> having a watercress salad for lunch. And um, I came home only a half a pound heavier than I left. And once, wow. I, and once I was home for 24 hours, my weight went right back to where I was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely think that um, the, the drugs, the GLP ones are game changers. Mm. There's no question. And I do sometimes think to myself, had I found it sooner, would, would I have still gone through with having the gastric bypass? Totally what I was thinking. Yeah. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't know. I, I really, I don't know because I have had really good success with my gastric bypass. Tell me about that. And how much have you lost and how, in what stretch of time? So I just had my six month, um, checkup from my surgery date Mm -hmm. and I am down almost 59 pounds. Oh my God. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 So, um, I'm, I, I mean, when I started, I was just about 210. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm only, you know, 5253. Five, and, you know, some people are like, well, that's not that big, but it is. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of weight to carry. And, um, considering not that everyone goes by the BMI standards or, what they say you should weigh if Mm -hmm. you are this tall or this tall. But if you do look at those, you know, I should only weigh about 130 pounds. And so think about 80 pounds. I mean, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot of weight Mm -hmm. to carry around. Oh my God. It's insane. I, I, um, uh, while we were away, I saw something funny. I wanted to take a picture of and, um, Instead of just taking a picture of it, I jumped in the picture and I said to Kelly, I'm like, take a picture of me with this. And that mm. is just something I would not have normally done. Yeah. And um, I I have more weight to lose, but it's the first photo I've seen of myself where I thought I would show this to someone. Like in a, right? in, a like a, in quite some time. And um, it's just, it's fascinating. Like it's just fascinating how much better I feel like in my mind even. Just, you know, like, yeah. because I, my whole life, I was like, I don't understand, like, I shouldn't be, I, you know, I've said it on here a million times. I'm happy to say it again. I am the fattest person who doesn't eat that you'll ever meet in your life. Like, yeah. I really just don't eat much food. Like, it doesn't make any sense. And they're starting to say now, um, some, some doctors, some weight loss doctors are starting to say that maybe, and I should have somebody on to like explain this. So just keep in mind that I'm, this is like secondhand me cobbling Mm -hmm. through something here, but maybe there are people with GLP deficiencies 
like not much different than a thyroid. Like, so like, you know, maybe your body's just not making enough or maybe it's making it and not taking it up for some reason. So giving some of it like, you know, through a a supplement is changing it because I can't tell you, like, I know I don't, I didn't have a lot, like I'm not obese. Okay. I guess actually technically I am, but Mm -hmm. you know, like by the, the standards that the doctors use and, and the healthcare, but I'm not like. I don't, I don't even know how to put it, honestly. I don't, I don't have context for it. But I, you wouldn't have looked at me and thought, oh, my God, Scott's going to die. Like, like it, it does, right. I didn't have that feeling. And the doctor told me when she gave it to me, look, you know, because my wife started at the same time. And she said, look, you know, you will probably see weight loss before she does. And I was like, all right, whatever. And she's like, plus, you know, guys just seem to lose weight easier and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, mm, OK. But <laughs> I inject this and I'm four pounds lighter inside of five days. Now, yeah. nothing about my life changed that drastically. And then, you know, a couple more pounds the next week and a couple more and a couple more and a couple more. And then one day I was like, I weigh 20 pounds less than when I started. Yeah. It, and I honestly think that 10 more weeks from now, I'm probably going to be down 40 pounds. And that's probably about where I, I'll stop. But right. it was never going to happen otherwise. Never, right. never, ever, ever. Um, and I, I totally agree with you that I think that there are people that have that deficiency and these medications are changing their lives. Yeah. Like literally it's changing people's lives. I felt really um, sad last week when I saw that photo and I thought, I wish, I wish this would have existed sooner because I, I have dodged being in photos with my kids. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, yeah. oh my goodness. Yeah. I, I'm totally with you on that. Um, and, uh, I mean, just for that alone made me sad, honestly. I'm, and I mean, I'm happy the medication exists and I know it took forever to bring it to market. The, the first, um, the first inclination of this was in the early eighties with a Canadian doctor who noticed that Gila monsters don't get fat and, and really, yeah, and they, and they're not hungry after they eat. And um, that wow. that led to him learning about the GLP and all this stuff. And then I, you know, I happen to know because of what my wife did for a living, like a decade ago, a decade ago, my wife came, wow. home, my wife came home from work and said, there's going to be a drug one day that you take that's going to help you lose weight. I've seen the early data and it really works. Wow. But it's only really been on the market for a couple of years now. Yeah, because I I remember when um, my doctor prescribed. So, like I said, my um, primary care prescribed me ribelsis, which is the oral semaglutide. Mm-hmm. Um, it and it did nothing for me. Right. Like I I didn't lose any weight. It didn't do anything to my blood sugar. So I don't really understand how the injectable is different, but. I, I guess maybe some people Nancy, are more. I don't either, and I don't care. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, I, I've heard people say, like, well, there's no long-term studies on it. I said, there are plenty of long-term studies on me being 40 pounds overweight in my 50s. I know how that's going to go with me having yeah. – it's going to go me having a heart attack is how it's going to go. And, you know, so I'm like, I don't want to – I'm not going out like that. Like, I just, I don't, like, I'm going to fight a little bit here. And you can say, oh, well, Scott, well, you could have eaten differently or exercised. I tried all that. It didn't work. Like, it just didn't do anything for me. I don't know why. Don't even care why. 
And, right. you know, it just, it's not important. Like, even let's say I didn't. I deserve to die because I don't want to, because I don't exercise. Like, right. weird, weird decision, you know? And, and I've said this in another episode, but I'll repeat it here. This is kind of a grandiose thought. But if, if a, if a generation of parents eat differently because they're on a GLP-1, for example, then a generation of children will grow up not eating poorly because it, it won't be mirrored to them, right? I We got lucky. Like, I'm not even going to lie to you. We got really lucky because my wife and I, we grew up broke. We didn't have any money. Like, we didn't have anybody leading us, telling us how, like, what nutrition was. I'll tell people all the time, like, in the 70s and 80s, like, no one understood what to eat. I know you think, like, mm. that's crazy, but it's not crazy. I made the joke earlier. Um, there's a lemon on the front of, like, a lemonade mix that my mom would give us. And if you asked her if that was healthy, she'd be like, lemons come from trees. But, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, like come on. Like, don't be dumb. You, you know? And so there was no direction through any, like, that. I didn't have any direction. Then I had kids. And this is where I'm saying I got lucky. My kids were so athletic and so, like, involved in stuff like that. And we tried really hard to push them towards healthier food. But it was healthier to our understanding. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, my idea of, like, health was, like, not serving my kid a frozen chicken nugget when he was little. I cut up actual chicken and breaded it. Like, I didn't right. really know anything about nutrition or health or anything like that. And somehow my kids have are, are maintaining a better style of eating than Kelly and I have. But now suddenly, I mean, I got up this morning. I took two mushrooms and two eggs and I scrambled them together in a pan and threw them in a wrap, and I couldn't even finish it. Wow. Yeah, I was just like, oh, this is so much food. And and like <laughs> so I so I finished it as best I could. And later today I'm gonna have like a salad and I think I'm gonna have some shrimp. I think I'm gonna like I think I'm gonna pan fry, like saute some shrimp and throw it on some greens. And that's probably what I'm gonna end up eating today. Yeah. You, you know, and I'm going to wake up tomorrow a pound lighter than I was today. And I'm not hungry. Right? And it's fascinating. And my wife, who I will have on the podcast at some point to talk about it, because she has a much stronger kind of like, um, uh, I don't know how to put it, like a mental draw to food. Yeah. Right. It's that voice. Right. Yeah. And that's one of yeah. one of the things that I said and I've said about um, Manjaro is that the one thing that I did notice is that it did take it took away the voice of me thinking you know before I went to bed at night what will I have for breakfast tomorrow and then while having breakfast thinking what will I have for lunch today and when I go grocery shopping what will I buy to eat throughout the week Nancy my wife wife talks about it exactly like that yeah yeah open your eyes in the morning what am I gonna eat for breakfast and then wondering about lunch while you're making breakfast. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. People yeah. call that the food voice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I definitely felt that it Manjaro took that away from me. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I I eat pretty similar to what you just said that you eat. Um, and it is a little bit more because I have to, you know, I yeah. I have a really small stomach now, so I have no choice and I have to eat like that. But I do feel, I feel, I feel better about myself that I'm making those choices and I'm not beating myself up mm-hmm. about 
the choices that I make. Oh, I can't, so. I can't agree anymore. Like that's, you know, to say to someone, <clears throat> like it's easy to say to someone, we'll just have more self-control, right? Like mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, there's a whole industry out there. There's uh, there's 10,000 podcasts making a living telling people to like, you know, just be strong, you know, like that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, which is very easy yep. for a person who doesn't have what you just described. Like, like, right. like an absolute pinging in your head of like, what am I going to eat next? What am I going to eat next? Like, that's not mm-hmm. a, that's not a lack of willpower. That's a, that's a wiring issue. You're wired exactly. a, little, a little differently and they don't have great willpower. They're just not wired that way. So it's easy for them, right? Just like everything else, not hard to understand, but yet it gets broken down like haves and have nots, like the ones who are willing to put in the work and the ones who aren't willing to put in the work. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. I, I think in a great many situations, that's not the case. And even if it was, I'll just say it again, that's not a good reason why your organs should deteriorate and you die prematurely. Like that's exactly not okay, right? And so if something helps, like I just, I'm looking back at you and all I could think is somebody should have given this poor woman insulin eight years ago. Right. Right. And now I, you yeah. have real issues now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I think that way too. And again, I do, um, you know, I think to myself, how did you not learn about it or try to figure it out? But I, you know, I trusted my doctors and, and how I guess, I mean, honestly, yeah. how would you know? You can't. Look, anything you can think of in the world, even with access to the internet right now, because there is that argument. Like we have, I forget what, uh, it's like we have access to more information now than the president of the United States had in the 80s, which is oh. amazing, right? <laughs> except except everything you wonder about gets monetized by somebody, and then the other side of it gets monetized by somebody else. So there are right. these two competing arguments. Like, like you know, you, you mentioned you were on keto earlier. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a perfectly reasonable way to eat if you want to eat that way. It's not a problem until someone starts making a living coaching you about your keto or selling right. you keto food because now they are going to fight till the end of the earth to defend keto. And on this other side, somebody's out there with their cupcake company being like, oh, these motherfuckers in their keto. Yep. I got to sell these cupcakes. And like, you know, like, <laughs> and, and, and it's back and forth and back and forth. And now people have become so adept at marketing through, how do I put this? Through everyday interactions. They've become so adept at it that you can get involved in what you think is a conversation with somebody that's really just a marketing ploy. And you'll never know it's happening. And I only am aware of this because I run a Facebook group that is so big. And I've watched people do it with so many different things. They'll do it with t-shirt sales. They'll do it with, we just had a bit, we actually literally just had, um, a mob of six accounts that were just in there starting what looked like organic conversations about comfortable footwear to sell a shoe. And it was, it was well done. So someone, someone would show up and go, Oh, Hey ladies. Um, yeah, talk to me about comfortable footwear because I have to go on a blah, blah, blah. And I don't know. And then they'd let real people come in and answer and then eventually one of their other accounts would come in and go, oh, my God, my doctor told me about these and they're great. And they put up a link and they were selling those shoes. Then they had three or four other accounts to come in to prop up the conversation to keep it going. And then when it ran out of steam, they delete it so that the moderators wouldn't notice it. And then they'd come around a couple of days later and do it all over again. And, Sneaky. And, 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 
it's very common is, wow. is, is my point. Like I do, yeah. I do stuff like I have ads, but you know, they're ads. Like, you know right. what I mean? Like it's, it's not like in the middle of the conversation, I just start like going like, yeah, yeah, right, right. No, that's crazy. Right, right. Yeah, you know, yeah. Oh, that happened to me once while I was drinking my athletic greens. Yeah, like like it's not it's not it's not like that. I say, look, this episode is sponsored by AG One. If you want to support the podcast and drink AG One, great. And if you don't, I don't even care, honestly. Yeah. You know, like like it's, it it helps me. If you're already gonna buy it, buy it with my link. That helps the podcast. But it isn't me like slipping it into a conversation, trying to like trick you into it. But that's very 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 common yeah. now. And so my long winded point is. It's difficult to get good information when that's not mm -hmm. people's goal all the time. Sometimes their it's goal true. is just to get you to go buy a thing or do a thing or click on a link or hire a health mm -hmm. coach. Or it's, I don't know how you're supposed yeah. to figure that out is my point. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, I, and I am very easily influenced. So I can tell you that I, I bought a lot of stuff. I bought a lot of keto products, a lot of, you know. Mm -hmm workout equipment, different clothing, shoes, you name it. I bought it all. You were des <laughs> desperate, you're desperate to save your life. Yeah. Yeah. That's terrible. Like, think of it. Thousands of dollars or tens of thousands of dollars? I mean, I I probably, you know, spent a good, I, I'd say I'd spent a good $5,000 on keto products alone. That's buying. Enough. That's a enough lot money, of Nancy, to feed a poodle for a year and a half. <laughs> I'm sorry if you didn't see that coming. I was setting you up for that. That just, was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> that, that, and so, and you got a surgery. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, and, and you know, I, I'm, my assumption was you found the Manjarno late enough that you were so far down the road for the surgery, it seemed too late to turn back. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's exactly what happened. And I I was at the point where like I was on Manjaro for about four months and my surgery date was coming up and I did struggle with it. I kind of went back and forth in my head. And the the fact that I was so scared of regaining the weight after either being on Manjaro for a year or having a weight loss surgery, I knew that the weight loss surgery was pretty permanent. <laughs> um, and I did try to, you know, read to see what kind of studies and data there was with Manjaro weaning off of it or, you know, maintaining. And mm -hmm. there's not a lot of information out there yet about it. Yeah, it hasn't been and, long. I, I, right. I, I, I've come to the conclusion that if I have to be on a maintenance dose of this for the rest of my life, I don't even think I care. Like, like, yeah. Know, and if I grow a tail out of my forehead, <laughs> I'll be thin as a pin with a tail on my forehead. <laughs> you will look fabulous. Oh my god! I'll just accessorize it. I'll start hanging bling from it. I'll be like, that's my, uh, that's my Ozempic tail. Uh, whatever. <laughs> no, I mean honestly, I don't. It's <laughs> and then you can sell things on your podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Facebook group. <laughs> like, hey, everybody, like use we go V and yeah, you're gonna grow a tail out of your forehead, but here are these beautiful socks to keep them warm during the winter. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
and I'll just thread it into a conversation so you'll never even know I'm selling them to you. Um, yeah, I mean, there are no advertisers right now for any GLP ones on the podcast, but I have to tell you, if somebody came along and wanted to, I'd be happy to take an ad for that. But I would also tell you it's an advertisement. Um, but, but no, seriously, I, as far as I know, there are no um, side effects to GLPs that make things grow out of your forehead. Um, no. uh, and certainly enough of the world has taken this up that we're going to find out. I think the next thing that you're going to see is doctors who do weight loss surgeries, you're going to start seeing them like kind of chirp about these injections and tell you there's something wrong with them because it's going to cut into their bottom line pretty heartily. Because really, like Ozempic or Wigovi or Manjarno, what they're doing is they're making you feel full faster, which is what the surgery does. But they, mm -hmm. they also have the benefit of they're somehow impacting your hippocampus. They're literally telling mm -hmm. your brain you're not hungry. And right. there is um, some newer studies that I don't think are complete yet that are saying they also signal to your body that during weight loss to target your fat. So, yeah. I yeah. did just read that the other day, yeah, and, which is amazing because that's one of the um, things that they really watch after you have uh, mm -hmm. weight loss surgery is that you lose muscle mass. Right. Um, so that'd yeah. be amazing if well, I, the GLP ones stop that. Just literally, just anecdotally, but my weight is coming from places that I really struggled to get rid of it from. And so like... Uh, my example usually is with I would have just started dieting like aggressively on my own. My mm -hmm. my face would have slimmed down first, and then right. and then I would have like been like, oh, my midsection is not like changing. And with this thing, the, it was my midsection first. As a matter of fact, wow. my face didn't start slimming down for like two months after that. And oh wow! Yeah, it it was all coming out of my chest, my sides, my back, and my stomach which were the places like, I can't even tell you that my stomach and my chest are on the same plane of existence now, <laughs> <laughs> which is very um, new for me. That's amazing. Yeah. So anyway. Wow. Well, worry. well, okay. I'm sorry. I had to bring, this, okay. bring this back around again. <laughs> I started having these type two conversations because I was, finding listeners who were basically like, look, I'm type two, but I use insulin. So I started listening to the podcast and it was really helping me. And mm -hmm. so how are you managing right now? So right now, um, only on one medication called Tragenta. Okay. And it's an, it's an oral medication. Um, and the reason being is because obviously right after I had my um, gastric bypass, I couldn't eat. I had to, it was all liquid. And so I even had a couple of low blood sugar episodes after my surgery. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was taken off of everything. And once I started to eat again, and I was consuming some carbs, some sugars, um, my blood sugar levels did start to go up a little bit. So when I had my three month, um, exam after my gastric bypass and I saw my endo, um, he put me on the Tragenta, um, and said, well, let's see how you do with this. And then we'll, when you come back in six months, we'll look at, um, your blood sugars. I wear a Libre, um, too. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I monitor my sugar and, um, I've had 
I have had some instances where if I eat something more carby, um, I've my blood sugars have gone up um, some a couple of times over 200. So I'm not really sure if I'll get put back on insulin, um, but we'll have to wait and see. What are your um, What are your fasting blood sugars like? So the last time um, I had my fasting, it was 121, which is for me. I feel like really good. Mm-hmm. Now, would I want? Do I want it to be 90? Of course. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but and my A1C at my last check was 6.3, um, which again for me is really good considering when I went on insulin, um, it was 8.9. Wow. So, um, it's really, really come down quite a bit. What do you, um, what do you give credit to here? Weight loss, uh, a change in your diet and the Trigenta, those three things you think are what's keeping you where you're at. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think the weight loss and the fact that you know, I'm forced to eat protein um, because of the gastric bypass. So you learn that you have to eat protein before anything else. And because I have such a small stomach, I can only eat, you know, like three to six ounces. Mm-hmm. And eating some, you know, eating that in chicken, you get full. And so I'm not eating maybe if we had mashed potatoes or rice that night, I'm I'm not really eating that because I'm eating the chicken and I'm getting full. And so I'm not eating the stuff that would cause my blood sugar to go high. But I have had a couple of instances where I've, you know, said, Oh, I'm going to try a bite of that sandwich or a bite of that pizza. And I've, my blood sugars have gone up and I'm not sure if that's just my, you know, like my body being like, whoa. Are you, are you, do you still have your food voice? Um, no, I don't. (laughs) Does your taste for food change? A little. I I have a food voice in that I, I do have to still prepare, you know, Mm -hmm. like I can't just be willy nilly and throw caution to the wind and just hope that there's food that I can eat. I have to be prepared. So I do have to think about it in that sense. Um, And I definitely feel like there have been times that I have thought, God, I cut my right arm off for a slice of chocolate cake, like a you know, and I don't have the chocolate cake, but I do have that feeling like I really would just want it so bad. Um, could you but, do a forkful? Could I what? Could you have like a forkful of chocolate cake? Yeah, I probably could. Yeah, but you but you I, don't think you would if you started. You you think you'd so it's so uh, it's funny. I, I can't believe I'm doing like I honestly never saw myself as a person who would be advocating for like medication to change how you eat. But <laughs> um, I've learned a lot. Like in these last 10 weeks already. And I, there's part of me that feels a little sad because you got your stomach made smaller. Yeah. uh, Right. Because 
if you could have gotten the food voice to go away with mm-hmm. the, with the medication and you would have felt fuller sooner, that yeah. might have helped you regulate the amount and the types of eating. Because I'll tell you, I made good decision after good decision this week in those restaurants. I was like, I am not eating anything that's fried. I am not eating anything that's, you know, but like I stayed away from a number of different things on purpose. And I had a perfectly lovely time. Like at lunch, I, you know, I had like, I, I, I sat down and I was like, can, can I get a, um, a cup of soup? And, and uh, I think it was like chicken rice soup. I'm like, can I have a cup of that soup and a half of a turkey sandwich? And, and she goes, we, we only serve like full turkey sandwiches. And I was like, well, if you bring me a full turkey sandwich, you'll be throwing a lot of it away. Like, <laughs> so I'm like, you can do whatever you want, um, but I'm going to eat half of that cup of soup. And by the way, here's what I want on the bread. Ver- nothing. Just put the turkey in there. And I said, like, one slice of cheese. She goes, it's going to come with two slices of cheese. I was like, I'm going to be throwing <laughs> one of them away. And um, I'm like, bring me a little, like, I think I put, like, yellow mustard on the bread a little bit. And um, and they brought out potato chips. And I was like, I don't want these. And she's like, well, they come with the sandwich. And I was like, all right. <laughs> so I had, like, four potato chips. I had, like, three quarters of a half of a turkey sandwich and half of a cup of soup. And I was like. Oh, good. Like, this is like two in the afternoon. And I thought, well, that's good. I don't need to eat anymore today. Wow. Like, but I could still eat it. Do you see what yeah. I'm saying? Like, no, so. and I totally understand what you're saying. And I I do get sad myself sometimes and think that if I had given it a little bit more time on the Manjaro or if I hadn't been going through the process to get the gastric bypass... And again, it's a long process. So, I mean, you really have to be committed and, you know, to be that committed and then, you know, at at the point where you're going to get it to say, nah, I think I'm, I'm just going to try this over here instead. Um, you know, it just made me a little bit like scared and nervous because I had felt like I had been on such a roller coaster for such a long time. And I just knew that for me, having the gastric bypass um, would give me some permanency in in my life. Like, yeah. I know that sounds drastic, no, and no. and to a lot of people, it is. It is like people are so put off by the gastric bypass, and I I, I always tell people you have to make your own decision. Yeah. Like, you have to do what's right for you. But I will say that I have people in my life that I have been pushing to go and get one of the GLPs. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have been like, look, you've been struggling and you're, you know, younger than me and you need some help. And these, these medications help. You need to go talk to your doctor about being on this. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's a lot of people, Scott, that, you know, they, they really have like a, negative attitude when it comes to getting anything to help with losing weight. Like they just, like you said before, yeah, yeah, they, they just think what's the matter with you? Why can't you just do it on your own? Mm. Like get a grip. That's just because (laughs) we were all parented poorly. But, um, I, I, first of all, I've become a a drug pusher. I bet two -hmm. two other people in my family are already gotten. Yeah. And they type, they had type two diabetes. Like go get this. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Please. And, um, but but your point about not wanting to do it, like the part that fascinates and like burns right through my brain when you say that is like 
they'll say, oh, I don't, I shouldn't have to take an injection to lose weight, but they'll have gastroparesis from their type two or kidney failure from their type two and go, well, like, well, mm-hmm. that's the cost of doing business. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm like, no, it's not. Like, like if, if, if you're a person who for whatever reason is not eating in a way that leads to health and you're telling me that injecting something once a week, and I can't tell you how easy it is. Like I do it on the podcast. It's click, wait, yep. click, out, done. I don't think about it again. I, I don't even like feel the needle. I don't even know what's happening. And you're telling me if you could do that and avoid a, a kidney failure one day, that would be a bridge too far. And but mm-hmm. the but the kidney failure's not like it's right. It's a fascinating way to think about something incorrectly. Like I'm not yeah. saying I'm not saying it's optimal to have to take a drug to make this happen. But you know what? It's not optimal for a person with I don't know a bipolar disorder to have to take a drug not to have those issues. But that's the situation they find themselves in. So, right. I mean, is there a phrase, play the ball where it lies? Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, yeah. you, know, you, you don't yeah. get to decide. We all don't get to be, you know, six feet tall and a muscular podcaster making $9 billion <laughs> a year telling everybody to try harder. Like, like that's right? that guy's thing. Uh, my thing is, I don't eat much food and I'm fat. Like, like yeah. not okay. You know what I mean? So... Yeah. Anyway, and then around type two diabetes, just as well. Like, what you, what you hear is, it's why I'm making that that type two series, and why I'm talking to more people with type two. Overwhelmingly, people think of insulin as failure. Oh, I, yes. you know, if everything else fails, I'll, yep. I'll try insulin. Maybe. Well, ten years from now, yeah. when everything else fails, including your kidneys, then yeah. like you're going to think, "Oh, I wish I would have used insulin ten years ago." Because I guarantee, Nancy, I put you in a fucking time machine, and yep. you're out there looking for it, right? Yeah. yeah. You don't. You don't know how many people looked at me sideways when I said, "Yeah, I, you know, I finally went to the endo and he put me on um, insulin," and they were like. <gasps> mm. But, you know, they just were like, what? Well, let me say this for you. Fuck them. Okay. Right. Yeah. I care if you stay alive. They care if you do it their way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. If you don't do it the right way, then what's the point? The point is being alive, you moron. Yeah, exactly. What in the hell? It's crazy. You ever ever walk around, Nancy, and think, a lot of people can't think? Yes. (laughs) Daily. What is happening? What is happening daily? How can daily. you get so lost in the wrong part of a conversation? I don't know. Mm. I, yeah. I let me let me lay it out for people listening. Uh, staying alive that's first. <laughs> okay? Yeah, that's, your, that's the goal. Every that's day, that's the goal. Every day, it's your first goal. <laughs> Gotta stay right. alive. Next thing, right. stay alive and be healthy. Okay, yes. then be nice to people, do yeah. things, the blah blah blah, work. I want you to work hard. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. Like, <clears throat> I, I don't think that it's a valuable thing. Well, if I ever said this, I thought assumed this was obvious. But I don't think it's an it's a valuable thing to you know eat every horrible thing in the world and think, well, I'll just inject this and it'll it'll counteract it. By the way, that's not how this stuff works. It's right. It's it, it, it's not like it's not like it makes it go away. Like I could eat too much food today, my stomach would hurt, and I would probably gain weight. And so right. like, the, the drug's not going to stop that from happening. I could physically push through it. Just like you could physically, there are plenty of ways to cheat around 
the surgery you had? Well, not really. I mean, you get pretty sick. That's, I mean, that's the one deterrent that is, is a little bit different is, um, you haven't heard of you people get, blending down like, well, crappy yeah, foods I'm, and drinking them and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. But in, I will say in my own personal case and, um, I, I pretty much know I, I, you know, like I've taken a bite of something that it just didn't sit right, right and yeah yeah and you know you your body gives you a reaction whether it be just like you get really really hot and you almost feel like a little bit like dizzy um you know some people have like they'll throw up luckily for me i haven't had any of that throwing up thing thank I'm, goodness I'm glad. um but just a really like dizzy hot feeling of not feeling good at all and I, and again, you know, a lot of people will listen to me say that and be like, and you have to live your life like that. You're going to be like that for the rest of your life. But, you know, I, don't feel bad for me. I, I made the decision and I, I'm okay with it. You know, I'm, a, I'm fine with it. How about to, also the alternative was what happened to your mom? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's just everybody wants things exactly the way they want them. Right. So right. it's like, well, I, you should be able to eat whatever you want and be healthy. I'm like, okay, well in the, that's, uh, that's not working. <laughs> so, right. In uh, fantasy yeah. land. Right. Right. So I'm going to, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go for like anything I can do to stay alive. Listen, you would never, I, I think good for you that you got the surgery. Like if, if well, that's what you want to do, man, good for you. Yeah, I mean, and that's what I say to, you know, other people. And I also say it to, you know, all of the naysayers. It's like, you know, you have to make a decision that's right for you, ultimately. Um, And I'm, I'm happy for all of the people that are having success with the GLP ones. And again, I've, like you, I feel like a you know, I'm pushing drugs on people, but I have also been like, look, y'all need to get this. It's good stuff. But and I answer questions for anybody that has them about the gastric bypass. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not for everybody. Every, everything is not for everybody. But, um, you know, we're all just doing the best that we can and trying, you know, to be here and live our lives. And I have two beautiful granddaughters that, you know, I absolutely adore. And I just want to be around for them and want to watch every moment of their life and be involved in it and be healthy. And so, um, you know, for me, it was the best thing to do. Yeah. Plus someone's got to cover that nut on that poodle food. You know what I mean? <laughs> we need people working. I mean, right. Geez, exactly. What's the dog going to do if you guys die? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Trust me. It's going to, it's going to eat, it's going to eat, it's going to eat deer shit out of the backyard. <laughs> That's what it's going to do. And it'll be fine by the way. Um, probably right. <laughs> You let yeah, that poodle life. out of that house right now, it would be yeah. fine. It'd be like, I'll find yeah. food. It'll be all right. <laughs> Li- yeah. Life goes on. Nancy, it'll be all right. <laughs> this is, I really appreciate you doing this very much. It's a great conversation. And, um, you know, I just, I'm trying very hard to, I don't want to say stupid things that people say all the time, like destigmatize and like blah, blah, blah. I just want mm-hmm. people with type 2 diabetes to feel comfortable asking questions finding answers for themselves and doing something that's going to make a meaningful impact on their life. Not something that maybe will help them eight years from now after they try 
Weight Watchers, Keto, yeah. and 19 other things, and then go, oh, by the way, none of that worked, and now I'm starting to have bit bad bad health impacts, and mm -hmm. I and I still am no closer to an answer. So, right. you know, I don't know. It just And I totally, totally appreciate the fact that, you know, obviously you started this podcast um, for type one and um, but I can't tell you how much I appreciate that you have taken the time to talk to and listen to type two diabetics and do exactly what you just said is, you know, erase some of the stigma around it um, yeah. and and make people, you know, feel like they're just not failures. I, f I really appreciate because I felt like such a failure a lot. And then I listened to a lot of your podcasts and even though you know, it is mostly for type ones. I got so much helpful information and also just learned so much and thought, wow, there's just, this world is so big and there's so many people out there. Um, but there's so many people like me. So. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you I, saying that. I'm, I am evolved enough now not to even make a stupid joke when you say something <laughs> nice about me. Um, my first inclination, the little child inside of me wants to say something very dumb. The first dumb thing I thought to say was, well, yeah, I'm terrific. You don't have to say it, but, um, <laughs> I just appreciate that it's reaching people and that it's helping yes. people. And I I'll say this, like, look, you should be eating better foods, simple foods. Like, you know, don't, don't eat a ton of processed food and flour and sugar right. and all that stuff. Um, and you should be getting some exercise, right? Like get out, get moving, like all that. Yep. But if that's not working, adding something yep. is not is not some sort of a sin. Yes, and, exactly. And the people around you who like Nancy like ran into who are going to give you crap about it, I will tell you the same thing. The same thing I said to a mother uh recently on the show. Mother called uh called in. Yeah. Like like it's AM radio. Sorry. <laughs> I had him I had a, where was I there just now? A mother comes on the show to talk about her kid being like bullied at school, right? And she kind of went with the like, you know, hippie, like, oh well, you have to understand, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, fuck those kids. I was like, yeah. I was like, I was like, I said, you know, try this. And I, by the way, I heard back from her and rainbows and hippies worked for her kid, which is terrific. But my pers right. my perspective, part of my perspective was is we don't care about people who don't care about us. Like, yes. Like, right? So if you need to do something, Nancy, to better your life, and there are people around you who would give you crap about it, I don't care what they think. I gotta be right there I gotta you. be alive. Like, like yeah. you know, I'll be dead and what they'll be happy with how I accomplished it. Like what do you what, <laughs> what do you, right? what do you care what other people think? I just don't think I think it's insane. Like if anybody came think. after me and said, like, you can't take taking Wegovi is cheating, I'd be like <laughs> <laughs> I don't hear you. Uh, what? Here's what I hear. Uh, my chest and my stomach appear to be on the same line. <laughs> um, I feel better. I'm moving better. Right. My knee doesn't hurt as much. And yes. I couldn't possibly care what any... There's no, there's no one that could come to me now and shame me about what I'm doing. That's awesome. Yeah. And yes. by the way, if yeah. I do grow a tail out of the side of my forehead 10 years from now... <laughs> You know what I'll say? I'll go, hmm, <laughs> maybe that was a misstep. But, um, <laughs> but, but, but if I'm, if I'm healthy and alive, I'd be like, you know what? I'm all right. Because I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that men, 
especially men who are shaped like me and carry their weight where I carry my weight, uh, tend, yep. to, tend to die of heart attacks. And I also exactly. ha- happen to know, because my wife forced me into looking into my birth my mother years ago, that my birth mother became despondent after giving me up for adoption, which led to a mm-hmm. life of obesity. And it led to her on a table trying to get your surgery and she oh, wow. and she coded and died during the surgery <gasps> in her 40s. Oh, no. That's terrible. Oh, my God. And I can That's tell awesome. it. I, I feel badly telling it dispassionately because I don't know her as my mother, obviously. Um, but right. but um, that. So, but OK, still. so she had a heart attack from like, blah, blah. Except, I, what am I doing? Like, I'm not I don't want that to happen. Like you said earlier, I've got kids and I might have grandchildren one day or, at right. least, you know, like and maybe not. But. Also, I want to see what like the iPhone 25 looks like. And <laughs> yes. don't you want to see if they can put like a nuclear reactor in an electric car? I'm dying to see if that happens. <laughs> you know, like, like I'm trying to stay here. The alternative yes. is you're, it's over. Like that's it. And and for those yes. of you who think like there's an afterlife, that's great. I also don't want to be chubby in the afterlife. Okay. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to get this. <laughs> All right. Well, we, Scott, you want to be a spelt ghost <laughs> yeah well yeah okay yes that's what i want damn it i want to look nice when i'm dead and floating around the house you think you it's more like casper or more like like embodiment i don't think it matters does it no from the no. movie ghost you want to be more like oh. patrick swayze <laughs> I, I don't think i'm getting there but uh he's a handsome man although his brother not nearly as handsome really you don't know his brother I do not. All right. I feel bad. I believe he's still alive. So let's not go too far down this <laughs> okay. road. But before we leave, Patrick Swayze's brother. Apparently, he did not get the good looks. His name's Don. In the family. Okay. Don. Okay. Don. Don, God bless you. You're never going to hear this. But Don <laughs> looks like Patrick. But... Made out of spare parts. I don't know how to. <laughs> I don't know how to say that. Um, well, now I have to immediately. Well, you know go what happens, John. Well, you know when you really see a super handsome person, and I mean for male mm-hmm. or female, a very handsome person, like their eyes, their forehead, their nose, their lips—they all match, right? Right. And then Don Swayze looks like at the end of the day, God had about five face parts left over. <laughs> They were all attractive, but didn't go together. And he was like, listen, we got to get out of here. Just stick these on this one and let's go. Right? Like, so he looks like Patrick, but it's not as smooth. He's by oh, my no, God. That is so funny. By no means is he an unattractive <laughs> man. But And if you only knew Don Swayze, you'd think there's a handsome guy. But you stand him next to Patrick Swayze, and all of a sudden you're like, not what so the much. hell happened to that guy? Right? Like, which is unfair, because Patrick Swayze looks like, I mean, he's dead, but he was. But yeah, very, he's a good-looking man. Very handsome man is what I'm saying. <laughs> That's all. I just don't think I'd, I'm going to get that handsome. I think I'm going to look like me. I'm going to look like Don Swayze when I get thinner. Okay. Yeah. Which God bless. I'd go for that. God bless. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Nancy. I know for one for sure. You and I had a conversation about weight that most people don't have in 2023, and I loved it. <laughs> so. Me too. Good. I'm glad. It you was had a good amazing. Time. Hold on one second for me. <laughs> I hope you're enjoying the type 2 diabetes stories. I know I enjoyed talking to Nancy. Thank you very much to Contour for sponsoring this episode of the Juicebox Podcast. Contournext.com 
forward slash juicebox. Check out that contour next meter and those second chance test trips. And of course, touched by type1.org. Come out and see me on September 16th. It's completely free and we're going to have a great day. I promise. Hey, if you're just finding the podcast now, you have pre-diabetes or type 2 diabetes, check out Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. It's a private group. It's more than its name suggests. We have a ton of type 2s there. Come find out more. If you have type 2 or pre-diabetes, the Type 2 Diabetes Pro Tip Series from the Juicebox Podcast is exactly what you're looking for. Do you have a friend or a family member who is struggling to understand their type 2 and how to manage it? This series is for them. Seven episodes to get you on track and up to speed. Episode 860, Series Intro. 864, Guilt and Shame. Episode 869, Medical Team. 874, Fueling Plan. Episode 880, Diabetes Technology. Episode 885, GLP-1s, Metformin and Insulin. And in episode 889, we talk about movement. This episode is with me and Jenny Smith. Of course, you know Jenny is a certified diabetes care and education specialist. She's a registered and licensed dietitian. And Jenny has had type 1 diabetes for over 30 years. Too many people don't understand their type 2 diabetes. And this series aims to fix that. Share it with a friend or get started today. When you support the Juicebox podcast, by clicking on the advertiser's links, you are helping to keep the show free and plentiful. I am certainly not asking you to buy something that you don't want, but if you're going to buy something or use a device from one of the advertisers, getting your purchases set up through my links is incredibly helpful. So if you have the desire or the need, please consider using Juicebox podcast links to make your purchases. <laughs> 